Hello, this is Audrey Mack. The Word of God says in 3 John 2, I wish above all things that you may prosper, be in good health, just as your soul prospers. So I pray that this message be a blessing to you. Go deep into your heart to work divine transformation, both in you and through you. So get ready, open your heart, and be blessed. Amen. And so... Um, I, I think it is important. I thought it was so important before I get into the practical aspect on how to hear the voice of God. Before I, 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 and I'll be very practical, very specific on how to recognize his voice and how uh, uh, to walk and follow his voice and how to recognize when he talks, amen, and how he leads. But before I do that, that will be next week. Before I do that, I want to build a foundation. Amen. Because we know in Romans chapter 8, verse 14, how many of you have your Bible? Amen. In Romans chapter 8, verse 14, it says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And you notice here that God says that those who are led by the Spirit are sons Instead of being just children. There is a difference between being a child of God and being a son of God. And being a son of God means that you, you are entering into, a, 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 into maturity. You are not just like a little child that is led by his emotions and, you know, but it, now you become a son uh, uh, who is becoming stable and, and who is making good decision. And a son, in order to do that, has to be led by the Spirit. Amen. And, and so if we want to learn how to hear the voice of God and how to communicate with God, amen, we, there is... Four things, four truth we've got to know. The number one truth is that God is a spirit. In order to learn to communicate with God and hear his voice, you must know that he is a spirit. The Bible says in John 4:24 that God is a spirit. And those that will worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Amen. That's the number one truth. And you said, well, that's so simple, but it's easier said than done. Yet it's simple, but so many people miss that point. And you'll find that you'll discover what I mean by that. We must know first that God is a spirit. Number two, if God is a spirit, truth number two, we must know that if God is a spirit, he's going to speak to you and deal with you and relate to you in the Spirit. Amen. Amen. John, in 1 Samuel, let me start in 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. You remember it says, uh, uh, it said that the Lord does not see a man and doesn't look at the outward appearance, which is the flesh, right? But what does God look at? He looks at the heart. He looks at, at men, not in his flesh, but he looks at men in his spirit. That's truth number two. When God deals with you, when he's going to communicate with you and, and relate to you, he's going to do it in the spirit because God is a spirit. Amen. Hang in there. You're going to find out what I mean by that. In Proverbs 20 verse 27. Proverbs 20, verse 27. 
it says, the spirit of man is the candle or the lamp of the Lord. The spirit of man is the lamp or the candle of the Lord. What does it mean? It means that when God wants to give you enlightenment, example, if you go in a room and it's totally black, what are you going to do? You want light. You want to know how to go. You want to know how to get around. What do you do? You're going to turn the lamp on or the light on, right? That's how you're going to find direction in this room. That's how you're going to be able to direct yourself. Well, in order for God to give you light, to give you direction, to give to guide you, he's going to do it how? By your spirit. Your spirit is the medium or it's the way through which God is going to give you light. It's the way through which God is going to give you direction. Amen. That's the Bible says in John 6.63. John 6.63 says the spirit, it's the spirit that gives light. The flesh profits nothing. And the word that I speak to you. They are spirit and they are life. You see, all you notice something in all three verses that when God wants to talk to you, deal with you, relate to you, he does it how or through what? Through your spirit. He deals with your spirit to give you direction because God is a spirit. Amen. That's truth number two. And truth, truth number three. We saw number one, God is a spirit. Truth number two, because God is a spirit, he's going to deal with you, communicate to you, or relate to you through your spirit. And truth number three, you see, we have to, what am I saying all of that? Because most people know God is a spirit, but most people, when they try to relate to God, when they try to communicate or hear the voice of God, they try to do it in the flesh. They try to relate to God or hear from God. They try to relate to God through their emotion, through their five senses. What are they? The hearing, the seeing, the smelling, the tasting, the touching. Most Example, most of us, if we feel very alone, what do we have a tendency to believe? That God has removed his presence from you. You feel alone in your emotion, therefore you think God is far away. Or another example, you feel condemned, you have the tendency to believe that it's God who is rejecting you. You have a tendency to believe that it's God that is condemning you. Or here is another example. If you feel happy and good, the tendency is to think, ah, now God is pleased with me. You relate to God on the basis of your senses and your emotions. Amen. Or, you know, here is a good one. If we feel a goosebumps or shaking, oh, all of a sudden we think, ah, nah, God is in this place. We relate to God based on our feelings and our emotions. Amen. 
we have tenden a tendency to want to communicate to God or hear from God on the basis of want to hear an audible voice or we want to feel something or see something. That's what I'm talking about. Most of us, we don't relate to God in the spirit. We relate to God through our emotions and through our five senses of feelings. Amen. So in order, if we want to really hear the voice of God, we are going to have to learn to approach God and relate to God, not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Amen. Why? Because truth number three, you are a spirit. Amen. You are a spirit. In John chapter three, let's look at it. In John chapter 3. Everybody's doing good? Yes. Good. Yeah. good. Hallelujah. I hope you brought your shouting clothes tonight. <laughs> John chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. It was when Jesus was talking to, uh, uh, to Nic Nicodemus. Amen. He came by night just to talk to him and ask him questions. And Jesus said in verse 5 and 6, he says, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. But that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. How many of you have been born again? That means that we are all born of the Spirit. You are a spirit. In 1 Thessalonians, uh, Thessalonians 5, 23, the Apostle Paul said, I pray that you may be preserved blameless, holy, your whole spirit, soul, and body. And you notice the order. What does it mean? That you are, number one, a spirit. You have a soul, which is your mind, your will, your emotions, and you live in a body. But number one, you have got to know this truth, that you are more than a, bo a pretty body with emotions. You are a spirit that lives, that has a personality, and that lives in a body. You are a spirit being. Hallelujah. And as a spirit being, you have to learn to relate to God and communicate with God and approach God in the spirit. That's what the verse in John chapter 4, verse 23, it says, The hour has come, and now is, when the true worshipers, how many true worshipers do we have? The true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeks such to worship Him. God worships those who will relate to Him, not by the emotions or by the five senses. But God is the looking for those who will approach Him and relate to Him and communicate with Him in the spirit. On the basis of the spirit. Because we are spirit. 
You see, the problem is people that continually see themselves in the flesh and relate to God in the flesh according to how they feel and their emotions. If I acted good today, I feel happy. God is pleased. If I made a mistake, if I fell today, you feel condemned. You feel unworthy. You feel beat up. And you see somebody who is feeling unworthy, guilty, under condemnation and beat up will not be able to relate to God in the proper way. You see, that's what has kept Adam when he failed. What happened when he felt guilty and condemned? What did Adam, the first thing he did? He ran and hid. Why? Because he was filled with guilt and condemnation. And a Christian who is filled with guilt and condemnation and is feeling unworthy because of how they feel in, the, in their emotion, a Christian that continually see themselves in the flesh, it's a Christian that's going to continually walk in condemnation and guilt with a complex of inferiority with God. And it's impossible to have a proper relationship with the Father that way. What does it mean? We have to learn to relate to God. Amen. we got to get rid of that guilt, that complex of inferiority, that, that condemnation. you got to get rid of it in order to approach God with boldness, with assurance, and in order to be able to hear His voice, and be able to walk with Him, and be able to do His will. You need to hear his voice. But if you are in the flesh under guilt and condemnation, you won't be able to do that. It's silence and then it's, it's quiet in this Catholic church tonight. <laughs> Dominus Patre, Amen. I have nothing against Catholic. Next, next week I'm preaching in a Catholic conference. And I love, I was a little Catholic. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. We've got to get rid of that sense of guilt and condemnation, that complex of inferiority. And how can we do that? How can we do that in order to, for us to hear the voice of God and walk with Him and have an, a, 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 a divine exchange? The only way we can do that is by being in the Spirit, by learning who we are in the Spirit. Yeah. By going and learning and discover who we are in the spirit. We found out that we are a spirit. So tell, say after me, I am a spirit. I am a spirit. But as a spirit, who am I? You see, you always relate to somebody according to the image that you have of yourself. Right? You always relate to somebody according to how you see yourself and how you perceive the other person. Amen. And you know, in order to have a good relationship with God and hear His voice, we've got to have not only a good knowledge about God the Father, but we also have to learn who we are in the Spirit. We've got to stop looking at ourselves in the flesh and relate to God in the flesh. We have to start to learn to see ourselves in the Spirit so we can learn to relate to God in the spirit. So the good question is how to discover who we are in the spirit. How to discover what's happening in the spirit. Amen. 
You see, it's very easy to know who you are in the flesh, what you look like in the flesh. What do you do? If you want to know what you look like in the flesh, what do you do? Go to the mirror. Some of us do it more than others. Some of us, the first thing we do when we wake up in the morning. And the mirror will reveal you the way you look like in the flesh. It's easy to know what's happening in the flesh. If you are cold, you know it. If you are hot, you know it. Amen. It's easy to know what's happening in, 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 the, in the body, in the, in the physical realm. It's also very easy to know what's happening in your soul, with your soul. With your emotion, you know when you're happy. You know when you're sad. And you know, here is the same way. If I want to touch your body, what do I do? Can I put my hand on <laughs> I can touch him in the body. If it's easy also for me to be able to touch you in your soul, in your emotion. With words, I can touch your emotion. With words, I can make you happy or I can make you sad or I can, you know, discourage you. You can touch somebody with, in their emotion, in their soul. But how do we know what's happening in the spirit? How do we know what is happening in my spirit, what I look like in my spirit? Mm-hmm. The Bible says in Galatians 5.17, it says that the flesh wants what is up, uh, opposed to the spirit, and what the spirit wants is opposed to the flesh. They are opposed to each other. We know what's happening in our flesh. We know what's happening in our emotion. But we don't know what's happening. It's impossible with our five senses to know what's happening in our spirit. It's impossible to contact or to discover what's happening in our spirit through what we can see, feel, hear, or smell. Amen? And you cannot trust your feelings and your emotion to know what's happening in your spirit. Why? Because they are contrary. They're opposed. We just read the flesh is contrary to the spirit. And so how do we find out what's happening in our spirit? Amen? John 6.33. John 6.33 says, My words, they are spirit. John 6.33, Jesus said, My words, they are spirit. And the word of God, I like that in, in James chapter 1. Verse 23 through 24. Let's look at it. In James chapter 1. Hallelujah. This is just an introduction. James chapter 1. Glory to God. Verse 23 and 24 says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. You notice here that here James compares the word of God to a mirror. We could call it our spiritual mirror. And just like you go to the mirror to see your physical appearance, you can go to the mirror of the word to see your spiritual appearance. And you notice here he says, when someone goes to the word, it's like looking at your natural face 
into the mirror. And the word natural here is the word Genesis, which means from your birth, from the beginning, from your birth. Amen. And what birth is he talking about? Your natural birth? No, no, no. He's talking here about your spiritual birth. We are born again in the spirit. Amen. And so here James says, for he who looks into the mirror of the word is like a man looking at his spiritual birth, at his spiritual appearance in the mirror. And let me ask you something. When you look into a mirror, normal mirror, what do you see? Does the mirror, mirror tells you the future? When you go in the morning, do you go mirror, mirror? Tell me what I looked like when I was five years old. Mirror, mirror, tell me what I'm going to look like when I am 80 or 90 years old. No. What does the mirror tell you and reveals to you? The present. You see, when you go in the morning in the bathroom to see your face, you don't see yourself when you were five or when you're going to be 90. You see yourself Today, the way you are, the mirror tells you the truth and the mirror doesn't lie. Some of us wish it did sometime, <laughs> but it doesn't. The mirror tells you your reflection. Your, it tells you the truth, exactly what you look like at the moment. Let me tell you something. The spiritual mirror of the word. You've got to approach it like a mirror because it tells you the truth. It tells you what you look like right now. Amen. You see, some of us, we approach the word and we said, ah, oh, when I graduate from Bible school, I'll be like this. Oh, oh when I'm read, you know, when I, I read the whole Bible five times, I'll be like this. No, no, no. The mirror of the word tells you what you look like Amen. right now. Amen. And it doesn't lie. Amen. Amen. So the question must be asked then, if the mirror shows you what you look like in the spirit right now, what does the mirror reveal to you? The spiritual mirror, the word of God, what does it reveal to you about who you are in the spirit? Second Corinthians 5, 17. We all know that verse, I'm sure. For whoever is in Christ, he is a... New creation. Behold, all things have passed away. All things have become new. We discover the number one thing that the mirror will reveal to you when you become born again is that you are not a new creation. And but some of us don't really know what being a new creation really means. What does it mean to be a new creation? I remember when I got born again and I got saved the next day, I expected to wake up and have a new body. It didn't happen. Why? Which part of you became a new creation? Your spirit is the part of you who is a new creation. And what does it mean to be a new creation? Truth number one, it means that all your sin past, present, and future have been paid by the blood of Jesus, have been erased, have been not only, have not been just covered, have been bleached, removed. No spot. All your sins have been paid for by the blood of Jesus. 
all your sin, all the judgment, all the wrath of God, all the punishment of sin has been put on Jesus Christ yeah. on the cross. He yeah. became cursed for us. And you see, being a new creation doesn't mean that you just repaired. You got a coat of paint, a few nails. No, no, you have not been repaired. You have not been revarnished. You have been recreated. You are a brand new, spanking new creation. You see, the first creation, Adam, failed. Amen. His nature was sin. He was, in his spirit, he had the nature of sin, the nature of his father, the devil. He became the accuser of the brethren. That woman you gave me. Amen, I owe me. But then when Jesus came, died, paid for the punishment for sin, and rose from the dead, and then he came back and appeared to the disciple, and what did he do? He breathed on the disciples, and at that moment, they became new creation. God got rid of the old creation. It was dead with Christ, buried with Christ, and as a new creation, you raise, you raise from the dead with Christ, a brand new creation. It's not just a new beginning, it is a new life in Christ. Hallelujah. I hope you're ready to shout. And this new creation is, oh, I hope you're ready to shout. I might just run around the room. This new creation, it's you, you are identical to Christ. First John 4, 17. First John 4, 17 says, just as he is, talking about Christ, just as he is, so are we, when we get to heaven? No, in this life. Who is he talking about? Look at your neighbor and see, looking, he's talking about you. You see, but here is the thing. What are we talking about? We are talking about your spiritual, your spiritual appearance in the spirit, who you are in the spirit. Most of us, we keep on looking at ourselves in the flesh. And in the flesh, all we can see is our mistakes, our, our failures, our, you know, our problems. But we've got to learn to see ourselves in the Spirit. And in the Spirit, you are identical to Christ. The Bible also says in Colossians 2.10 that you are complete in Him. What does it mean to be complete in Him? It means there is nothing lacking. You've got everything you'll ever need to live a victorious life. Most of people are crying to God, give me more of this, give me more of that, make me more this, make me more that. And the Bible says, no, 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 you are complete in Him. In your spirit, you are identical to Jesus Christ and you've got everything you need to live just like Christ lived on this earth. You're like a masterpiece. If you add one more stroke of the paintbrush, you destroy it, right? Becky, a masterpiece is nothing is, if you add one little thing, you destroy it. You are complete in him, in Christ, in the spirit. Amen. Amen. You are holy and righteous in your spirit. I know some of you, you have like, 
Did she just say this? <laughs> you are holy and righteous in your spirit. Right. Ephesians 4.24. Ephesians 4.24 says, Put on the new man who according to God was created, past tense, was created in righteousness and true holiness. You see, because in your spirit, you are identical to Christ. Would you, be, would you agree with me to say that Christ is holy? Yes. Christ is righteous? Yes. You see, in your spirit, you are holy, you are righteous. Second Corinthians 5.21 says that he has made him, Christ, who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You see, when you became a new creation, born again, you were not just born again a Christian, you were born again righteous. That is part of your nature. Your nature is righteousness, holiness. That's who you are. Just like you are born in the flesh, a little boy or a little girl, you are born again righteous and holy. That is your spiritual DNA. That is your spiritual nature. Glory to God. And what does it mean to be righteous? Righteousness is not spiritual maturity. You don't grow in righteousness. If I act good, I'll be righteous. If I do good, I'll become... No, 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 no. Righteousness is... Uh, the definition of righteousness is the, having the legal right to come before God without a sense of guilt, of shame, and a complex of inferiority as if sin had never existed. Imagine that. Being a bold, that's what the Bible says, to approach boldly. Before the throne of grace. Why? Because we have. We are righteous. In right standing with God. We have been justified. Just as if sin never existed. And that we can approach before the father. Without that feeling of guilt. And condemnation. That complex of inferiority. I'm never good enough. I'll never pray enough. I'll never read my Bible enough. I'm never good enough. <laughs> and before you know it. You approach God. And you start going like this. I'm never good enough. I'll never be praying enough. I'll never do this. I never. You see how it's impossible to approach boldly before the throne of God and hear His voice when you go backward. Hallelujah. God in Christ, this new creation, your spirit has been created righteous. It's been created holy. It's been created with that uh, legal ability to approach the Father anywhere, anytime for anything with boldness. You see, when my husband in his office, his door is closed, what does it mean? Nobody enter. But do you know what I do? I open the door and I go and I sit on his lap. Honey, can I talk to you? <laughs> I enter boldly. Why? Because I have a relationship. I know him and I'm not, I have that connection with God. I'm not, I don't have a complex of inferiority with him. I don't have that fear. I don't have that guilt. I don't have that, that thing. You understand what I'm saying? Hallelujah. 
And so we have been made righteous. We have been given that ability. And that righteousness, listen to this, is not righteousness doesn't come because of our good works. It comes because of what Jesus did. Amen. In, in, in Galatians 2.21, it says, I do not reject the grace of God. For if righteousness comes by the law or by your good works, then Christ died in vain. What it means is that I must receive by the grace of God, which is a favor, a gift, you know, that I don't deserve. I must receive this righteousness by faith, even when I don't feel it. Listen to me, especially when you don't feel it. When you've messed up and you did what you said you'll never do, in that, that moment, the devil's going to say, look at you, you dirty bag. How dare you come and talk to God? How come you dare even wanting to pray for the sick? How dare you want even to hear the voice of God? It's at that moment by faith that you must know that you know that you know that you know that you are righteous. That you have a legal right to approach the Father with that guilt and with that, that sense of that complex of inferiority. It's at that moment by faith you must say, yeah, I messed up. But by faith, I know I am not moved by what I feel. I am moved by what I know. And I know that I am righteous. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And you know, here is something really good. You see, most people think that acting good makes you righteous. No, no, no. It's when you know that you are righteous that makes you act good. Let me, here's a clear example. An apple tree, you're not going to say, oh, it produces apple. You know, an apple tree doesn't become an apple tree because it produces apple. No, it produces apple because it's an apple tree. In the same way, you produce works and acts and holy living because you know you are righteous on the inside. It's your root. And because if the root is right, if you know you're righteous on the inside, what are the fruit going to be? Righteous. Righteous fruit. Holy fruit. Good fruit. You see, it's not you trying to act right to become righteous. No, it's you knowing I'm righteous and it motivates you to act right. Hallelujah. Don't get mad at me. Go and talk to the, the Apostle Paul. <laughs> the Apostle Paul said, Awake to righteousness and sin not. You see, when you awake to righteousness, who you know you are righteous, you're not going to sin. Most of people are asleep in their righteousness. They walk beat up, trying to, you know, to do mental crucifixion. Because they don't know they are righteous. But once you know you have a revelation of who you are in the spirit, that you are holy, that you are righteous, it's going to motivate you to want to act right. When you know you are, you are righteous, you want to act right. You want to do right. Come on. Hallelujah. Amen. And you see, this new creation is not only because you are righteous, it gives you not only that willingness, but that power to want to act right and, and act holy. Listen to this verse in Romans 7, 22. 
In Romans 7.22, he says, we're talking about your spirit. He says, I delight to do the law of God. What law is he talking about? Jesus said, there is no other law but to love your, the Lord your God with all your might, with all your strength, with all your soul. And love your neighbor as yourself. That is the law he's talking about. Loving God with everything within you. And Roman Paul says, I delight in the love God, in the will of God, according to the inward man. You see, when you are born again, because now you have the nature of Christ, you are righteous and holy, you don't want to sin. In your, in, inside of you, you want to do what's right. You want to do what's, what's pleasing to the Father. Yeah. You, you, you delight to do the will of God according to the... How many of you want to commit adultery? You say, I can't wait to get out of here. I just want to commit adultery. Nope. Or to rob a bank. No, you see, you might make a mistake. We all do, but in your inward man... In your spirit, you don't want to if you are truly born again. If you are truly born of the spirit, your inward man, your spirit does not want to sin. And not only does your spirit doesn't want to sin, listen to me. Your spirit cannot sin. 1 John 3, 9. 1 John 3, 9. Are we getting excited a little bit? 1 John 3, 9. That verse, that verse kept on bugging me. It did not make any sense until I understood who I was, who I am in the Spirit. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 9. Whoever has been born again, who has been born again? Which part of you has been born again? Spirit. Your spirit. Whoever has been born again does not sin, for his seed remains in him. What seed? Christ. Christ. His seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born again. You see, your spirit is a part of you who has been born again. Christ is in your spirit, and not only does your spirit doesn't want to sin, but cannot sin. And listen to this one. If you don't shout, it means that you're dead and I'm going to have to raise you from the dead. <laughs> and I've done that and I'll do it again. <laughs> Ephesians 1.13. Ephesians 1.13. Are we there? In Him, of course, it's in Christ. In Him, you also trusted after you heard the heard, you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Look at another verse, Ephesians four thirty, Ephesians four thirty. 
And do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed until the day of redemption or for the day of redemption. Look at the third verse. Let this truth be established out of two or three witnesses. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 22. You who also has sealed us and given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Now the question is, what does it mean to be sealed with the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption? How many of you have ever done some jams or some preserve or put some, you know, vegetables and canned some vegetables or fruit? I remember my mother used to do that. She used to get some peaches or some green beans. She'd put them in the jar and then she'd put like an orange seal on top, close it and then put it in a sterilizer, high temperature. And what would happen? The jam or the peaches would become sealed. That seal would stick. And what, why were the, the can of, of jam, why was it sealed? To preserve it from what? From the corruption or the contamination of the outside. And that part of jam would be preserved until the day where you opened it. In the same way, just like you seal a can of preserve to keep it from being contaminated from the outside. The day you are born again, your spirit becomes a new creation, righteous, holy. It doesn't want to sin. It cannot sin. And the day you become born again, God, the Holy Spirit goes, puts a seal on your spirit until the day of redemption. Why? So that the sin, the contamination, the pollution of the outside, the sin that you commit in your flesh and in your soul cannot get into your spirit. So that the the sin that is on the outside, that it does not pollute and contaminate and and destroy your spirit. The Holy Spirit has put a seal over your spirit to keep you until the day of redemption. Hallelujah. And let me say, I'm going to just interject because I know and I can hear in the spirit that some of you are like, wait a second, Audrey. You see, in another word, God is protecting your spirit. That is, you are righteous, you are holy, you don't want to sin, you cannot sin. And God is keeping that sealed until the day of redemption. And, 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 and you cannot lose that unless you choose to. You cannot lose it unless you, you, God is never going to open the seal until the day of redemption. Where your body will be redeemed, your soul will be redeemed. But somebody, and I'm just going to say quickly, I don't have time. I usually teach in, in 15 hours. But there can be a situation, you find that in Hebrew 6 and Hebrew 9, where a person, that's why sin is so dangerous. 
because sin is not going to cause God to reject you and to cast you out of heaven, but sin will cause you to become cold uh, 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 towards God. Sin will cause you to, to, to become for your conscience to be soiled. And, and you know what happens when you have a, a soiled and conscience. Like Adam, you walk away from God. You see, sin will cause you to want to miss church, not to go to church. Sin will cause you to not want to read your word anymore. Sin will cause you not to want to... You see what I mean? And somebody who does that again and again and again and again and again and again and again, you come to the place where you become so cold, you become so hard, you become so indifferent that it is possible for somebody who by the love of God, cannot lose their righteousness, but they can come to the place where they can give it up and renounce it and say, I don't want to be a Christian anymore. And of course, you can read in Hebrew, it's talking about not a baby Christian. It's talking about a Christian who has walked with God, who has been filled with the word, with the Holy Spirit, who has been in a level of maturity. Amen. So we, let me jump back again where on track, where I was. I felt like I needed to answer that question that some of you were like, wait a second. You know, that's what they asked Paul. Shall we sin that grace may abound? Apparently, people were wondering the same question. And what did Paul say? God forbid. Absolutely not. Shall I live for sin now that we have been now a new creation? Shall I make my slave, myself a slave to the devil? Absolutely not. You see? But let's get back on track. Who are you in the spirit? You see, once you know that in the spirit you are holy, you are righteous. In the spirit you are identical to Christ. In the spirit you don't want to sin. You cannot sin. You've been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise until the day of, 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 of Christ. Hallelujah. In your spirit, you have all the knowledge and the wisdom of God. In your spirit, you have all the knowledge and the wisdom of God. Here is a couple of verses. 1 Corinthians 2.16 For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Where do you have the mind of Christ? In your spirit. Some of you are scratching your brain thinking, I have the mind of Christ. No, 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 it's not here. It's in your spirit. Amen. 1 John 2, 27. Uh, excuse me, Colossians 2, 3. Colossians 2, 3 says, Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In Christ. Where is Christ. In your spirit, you are identical to Christ in the spirit. And it's in your spirit that you have all the treasures of, of wisdom and knowledge in you. Hallelujah. You don't even need to look out in heaven and ask God somewhere in, in heaven. Just look down. It's under your nose. All the wisdom, all the knowledge is right there in your spirit. And it is in your spirit that there is the resurrection power of God. Romans 8, 11 says the same spirit that has raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. Where? 
in your spirit. You see, once I, I, I understood that the same power that raised Christ from the dead is not somewhere floating in the atmosphere. It's right there in my spirit. And once I understood this, when I started to lay hands on the sick, I started to see the blind eyes open. I started to see the deaf hear. I started to see the lame walk. I started to see healing on a regular basis. Because you see, when I lay hands on the sick, I'm not waiting for God to, uh, is he going to move today? Are you going to do something, God? I'm waiting. No, no, no. I understand who I am in the spirit. And in my spirit, I am holy. I am righteous. I am identical to Christ. And in the spirit, if you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit that had raised Christ from the dead comes to dwell in you. And the good news is, and the word of God says that the, the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, came to abide permanently in you. Yes. The Bible says, I will never leave you, never forsake you. And yet some people are crying out, oh God, don't remove your presence from me. Oh God, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. That was, as, that was in Psalm 51. When David had committed adultery and murdered a man. And yes, in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God came upon them and would go. But that is old covenant under the new covenant in Christ. Once you are born again, you are sealed with the Spirit uh, until the day of redemption. And if you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, His power, comes to dwell and abide in you permanently. And He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I am there to stay. So you see, what does it do? It makes you we don't have to wonder, God, are you going to leave me today? God, are you going to reject me today? No, no, no. What does he do? You see, it's like in a marriage. In a marriage, if we, there is a, a certain security in our relationship, our relationship blossoms. You see, you see a, a, a husband or a wife that is so insecure? Are you going, is he going to divorce me today? Is he going to leave me today? There is no relationship. There is no depth in their relationship. There is no transparency. There is no, there, it's built on fear. And you understand what I'm saying? But once you understand that God, he loves you and he came to live and abide in you. That, that it, 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 it motivates you. It empowers you to come before God with, uh, with that, that, that unhealthy kind of fear. You know, there is a fear of God, but it's honor and respect. It's like, I love God so much, I want to honor Him. It's the same kind of fear that, you, that I have with my husband. I respect Him, I love Him, I honor Him. Because I understand that He's my spiritual authority. Just like I do with Christ, who is the head. But you see, once you understand that God loves you so much... And that is put you in a, 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 a cocoon of love. And, and, and oh, it, it motivates you. It empowers you to come close to God. And now the closer you come to God, the more you open your heart, the more vulnerable you make before him, you, you make yourself before him. The more free you become, the more you can hear his voice, the more you can talk to him. And you're like a flower that blossoms. 
You're like, a, oh, all of a sudden you're like, oh God, it becomes a healthy relationship. And it's in that, in that atmosphere of love, of security, of, of just uh, uh, protection that you can develop. You can have a, 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 a relationship with God where you can hear His voice clear. Hallelujah. And I know we're getting to the time and I don't have the, the time to, to go. But you see, most of the time when people, you said, but if I'm so perfect inside, if I'm so holy and righteous on the inside, why do I keep on making mistakes? Why do I keep on falling into the same problem? You see, it is not a nature problem because you've got the nature of God. It is not a power problem. You've got the Holy Ghost inside. It's a knowledge problem. Let me show you something really quick, and I will close with that. Come, Fred. Can you come, brother? Exactly how it works. You see? You've got muscles, so you'll be the body. Okay. Fred will be the spirit. Sorry. Fred will... Be the spirit, bro. He's... That's good. Yeah, he's the spirit. I am the soul, the mind, will, emotions, and he's the body. The Bible says in Galatians that the spirit is opposite, contrary to the body, to the flesh. And they, they have opposite will, opposite, you know, what he wants to do, he doesn't want to do, and vice versa. And your soul, mind, will, emotion is in the middle. And you see what happens when you get born again. Your spirit is a new creation. Mm -hmm. Your spirit is just like Christ. Doesn't want to sin, don't want to sin, cannot sin. It's holy and righteous. But your flesh has still that same desire and passion to do what feels good. And your soul, when you just get born again, is being contaminated by the world. Mm -hmm. You think like the world. You choose like the world. And what happened? When you, your spirit says, okay, tomorrow we're going to get up early and we're going to get out of bed and pray and spend time with God. So you put your alarm, amen, and, and, and five in the morning, your spirit says, get up, pray. But what does your flesh say? Sleep. <laughs> you stay in bed, stay in bed. And so what happens? Your spirit says, get up. Your body says, stay in bed, get up. Stay in bed. That's why Romans 7 says, the things that I want to do, I don't do. The right. things I don't Amen. want to do, I do. Amen. I see a war waging in my body. Amen. And how are you going to be able to do and walk and act like your spirit wants to? By the renewing of your mind. Once, that's what James 1 says. Get rid of the overflow of wickedness. That is in your soul. And receive with meekness the implanted word of God, which is able to save your soul, mind, will, emotion. And the day your mind is renewed, your soul is renewed, you start thinking like God, you start uh, choosing like God. And when the, the, the alarm clock gets at 5 in the morning and says, get up. <laughs> and, your body, and your body says, stay in bed, get up. Stay in bed. You see, before, if your mind was not renewed, when your spirit says, get up, your body says, stay in bed. If your mind, your soul was not renewed, what would your soul choose to follow? 
choose to follow your right. flesh. Right. And two against one, what happens? Right. You end up not doing what your spirit wants to do. Yeah. But the day you renew your mind, you start thinking and choosing like God, what happens? When the alarm clock gets rings in the morning, your spirit says, get up. Your body says, stay in bed. But now your soul says, uh-uh. I'm going to choose to get up because I understand how good it is for me. I need it. So I don't feel like it, but I'm going to choose. And it's going to be two against one. And buddy, you're going to get out of bed. Amen. Let's roll. Let's roll. Hallelujah. Amen. So you see how important to have and learn to hear the voice of God. You've got to stop seeing yourself in the flesh you need to start to see yourself in the spirit so you can relate to God in the spirit and approach him in spirit and in truth because the truth is you are holy you are righteous you're identical to Christ hallelujah for more information on Gotel ministry our teaching our itinerary, and to discover the many testimonies of those who have been touched and healed by the power of God, you may visit our website at www.gotelministry.org. And remember that Jesus came to give you life and life in abundance.